0: Also, in June, on the 8th and 9th, is an in-person soul recovery retreat in Lafayette, Colorado. This is going to be a weekend of incredible transformation, learning how to use soul recovery in your life and to leave that weekend transformed. Visit the website for more about what to expect and how to register. Enjoy the episode. My name is Rev. Rachel Harrison, and this is the Recover Your Soul podcast. For us to overcome external circumstances, we must first overcome our internal self by focusing on inner change. Outer positive results in our lives will follow. This podcast offers inspiration, strength, and hope through the tools of recovery, spirituality, and positive psychology. I started recoveryoursoul.net after having profound changes in my life in my recovery from alcoholism and control addiction. I was guided to share these tools with others through this podcast and personal coaching. Personal recovery does not need an addiction to use the tools and principles to better our lives and transform just the desire to make positive changes and grow. As an ordained minister, I continue to study and deepen my relationship with the spiritual principles that have brought me peace, happiness, connection, and abundance. I know that together we can do the work that will recover your soul. This weekend, we had an incident in the family, and I asked my kids if I could talk about it, because partially... It has been going so smoothly for so long that I almost forgot the amount of drama that used to be in our lives on such a regular basis. And as I do this recovery work, this soul recovery, and continue to let go of control and continue to do what is only mine to do and not think that I need to fix and control and do for everybody else, my life has just slowed down and I feel like I'm in the flow. I'm in the flow of things coming that the serendipitous things that come in, that you know that it is the flow of spirit. It is the flow of the universe that you can think and feel and believe that it's going to work out for you. And lo and behold, things are working out. And it's a pretty amazing feeling. And it's funny how when we are sick, that we almost forget how good it feels when we feel good. And when we're good, we forget how bad it feels when we feel sick. So to be in a place where I have had so much change in my life from waking up every morning with this dull to sometimes intense feeling of stress and fear and worry for the day, to a place where I wake up with gratitude and light and love and happiness and excitement for what the day has to bring. It's hard to remember those past times. It's hard to sometimes be in that place where you can see how far you've come. And I think that in the rooms of recovery, one of the things that happens when you've been in recovery for a long time the reason sometimes that you go back is to be reminded by those new people that come in at how far down it feels and how desperate our lives can be when we're in a place of struggle, when we're in a place of resistance, when we are in complete control by our addictive behaviors and that there is so much light and so much happiness on the other side. And you can get complacent in that happiness. So for the most part, things have been going pretty well. And there are definite bumps in the road. I talk about it all the time that just when I kind of think I'm starting to get myself out of the need to control, something will come at work or in relationship or with friends that kind of hits you and sometimes it's super subtle. Sometimes it's super subtle. And you don't even realize that it's sneaking up on you and that you're oh, you're doing that thing of thinking that you're the one who's in control again. And oh, no wonder I've been discontent or frustrated or feeling um that just underlying dissatisfaction. And then when I see it, when I can feel it and move on out of that, the relief that comes when I can hand it back over to my higher power, when I can completely use the word release and be completely able to surrender that feeling that I have that is bringing me so much discontent. And it goes all the way to how I used to argue with my husband on a daily basis about something and how we don't do that anymore, how we're such great friends now, how we enjoy our time together, and just what a difference that is in my life. We have a saying in our family, we're we're called Team Harrison. And what I think is so interesting is, and I've said it before, that in a team, you're all driving towards the same goal, you each are part of an important part of that team being successful. And there were so many years where even though we said team Harrison, what we meant was teams of the Harrisons that were against each other. And that could mean me fighting with my husband or my husband fighting with the kids or the kids fighting with each other or the kids fighting with us or us fighting with the kids, like that battle that happens when you're trying to control and win, win the situation. So As I said, like for the last three and a half years, things have continued to move forward. They've continued to progress. All I can do is take responsibility for my own side and the work that I am doing and have an immense sense of gratitude that I can see positive changes also happening for my husband and for my children and that I have to continue to not have the focus be on them doing better. I have to have the focus being on me doing better. So here's the situation. So I know that I have some other mothers that are listeners to recover your soul because you've reached out to me and how much I appreciate you reaching out and that raising children and that mother bear love that we have to try to protect our kids and to watch children who struggle can be incredibly difficult and incredibly lonely and incredibly painful. And I know that for me my need and desire and want to try to fix everything for them, I have to be able to look back and realize that there was a lot of times that that fixing that I was doing was actually getting in the way of their progression. And that the more I got out of the way, the more they were able to learn their own lessons and to make real change instead of changing because I was asking them to or being compliant. So my kids moved to California back in last year. So my youngest son, uh, Bodie, moved in March of 2020. And Alex followed in May of 2020. And they moved to California, they lived together, they work together. And I know that for me, it has been incredibly, incredibly helpful in my soul recovery to have some physical detachment, some spatial detachment, because our lives were very enmeshed. And, you know, alcoholism is a family disease. And I am an alcoholic, and my husband is an alcoholic. And I would say that both my kids would admit admit that they have addictive issues, they don't term themselves as to be alcoholics. And that is only their own journey to do. And that is not mine to tell them what they should do with that. But they have the genetics that have addictive and compulsive behaviors. And they were raised by addictive parents. And they were raised by parents who were in and out of drinking for their entire lives. And that They watched both the times when we would have stents of sobriety, and they would watch times when we didn't. And so I can't fault them for a lot of what happened in their lives in terms of their need to have the way that they monitored themselves or saved themselves or the feelings that they felt, because I participated in a lot of that. But on the other hand, we also had as a family this ability to talk to each other in ways that were really deep. And I'm so grateful that both of my children have a desire to share with me what's really going on in their heart and that we have a safe relationship to be able to talk cleanly and clearly about what's going on with them. And in that last year of them living in California and me living here, I've had the real awareness that I was doing my thing. I was doing my thing where I thought a really good part of the time that I was helping in giving advice. And did you do this and did you call that person and have you have you followed up on this? Have you followed up on that? And and some of that stuff is great, but it also takes away from their ability to have their own consequences when they don't do those things. And that the more space I had, the more ability I had to really allow myself to have more healthy connections with them and be a better listener instead of a better talker. And I'm not always perfect at it, but it's been really, really, really wonderful to watch them both grow and have awarenesses. And yet, they're young men and young human beings, and the beginning of their journey. And I think to where when I was 22 and 24. Oh, my gosh, I was, um I just finished college. I was a massive partier. And I picked my husband because he partied as hard as I did. And I was Really, about having fun. And I knew that I needed to be serious, and I bought a house when I was twenty two, which I'm very grateful for, and started my first business of a home daycare agency. But my whole deal was about having fun and about socializing, being with friends and and that was I didn't have a a part of me at all that was thinking spiritually. I was just thinking, how do I make the money? How do I pay the bills? How do I have a good time? So that's where I was when they're the age that they were, right? So, you know, we we talk on the phone a little bit, and I um, can keep up with the kids on their social media, which is kind of fun to be able to see what they're doing. But things have been going fairly smoothly. So we have a home phone that is, we've had forever the same phone number for 30 years, and we keep it because we don't keep our cell phones in our bedroom, um, in the basement at night. And so on Friday night, the phone rang at four o'clock in the morning, which it's only rung at four o'clock in the morning, a handful of times. And it has, um, always been something that's not great. (laughs) So when the phone rings at four o'clock in the morning, you know that this is not good, right? So it is my oldest son, Alex on the phone. And he's really upset and he's scared. And he and his brother have just gotten into a fight. And actually, he's been punched in the fight. And he is asking me whether he should go to the emergency room, because he thinks he might have broken his jaw. And this is a little bit of a story about the kids. But this is really a story about me and my journey, because all I can, all I can really do is my own work. Right? So I jumped right up. Of course, you're immediately awake. Start asking some basic questions. And um, I, I observed myself. And I could feel in my body, like this intense rush of emotion, because your child's hurt. And not only is your child hurt, your other child is involved. And, and there's so much energy that comes in that, of that immediate piece of myself that was That was, I could feel that old self that I have of wanting to immediately jump in and figure out what happened, how I can fix it, what am I going to do about it, you know, what, what happened, you know. And we were able to assess that we didn't think that he needed to go to the emergency room. And he said, I don't want to, I don't want to be bothering you. I just wanted to know that question. I'll talk to you tomorrow. And he hung up. And I called my other son who answered the phone. And we talked for about an hour and he progressed to tell me the story, which I think is so interesting because when he started telling the story, I thought, oh, yeah, this is not going to end well because you have young men and drinking, excessive, excessive drinking and going out to clubs and spending a bunch of money and being in the middle of the night. That is not going to end well. It doesn't matter who you're around that that combination of testosterone and alcohol and energy generally doesn't go well, which is why they have bouncers at those kinds of establishments anyway, because they often don't go well. But what I heard that was different for me as Bodhi was recounting this story to me was I could hear how each person's emotions are filled with so much more than just that evening. That we each have these pieces of ourselves that especially when we're in a place like that of extreme intoxication, that you're not thinking from your inner self. You are in full subconscious Full reaction mode, it does not take much to move from zero to a hundred into a negative way like that. And so what I could hear is I could hear not just his frustration of the night, not just some of the frustrations of living and working together as adults, but some of the frustrations of being raised together. And what I could hear in in Alex's story was his frustrations and his hurt and his anger and his issues that he's had, not only for this particular night and for the last year of living together, but partially of his whole being raised together. And that was that was new for me because even though my heart was hurting, and even though it was four and five o'clock in the morning, some piece of me had a new sense that I wouldn't have had prior to doing this work that said, this is part of their journey. That whatever happened in this situation is part of whatever their journey is, and that I have to try to stay out of the way. And so I, I just listened and I didn't try to jump in and tell them each how they should communicate or talk to each other or feel. My main concern was that they were physically okay and with an incredible gratitude that no one was arrested, no one was in the hospital, you know, that whatever happened and them actually getting to physical altercation with each other is part of whatever needed to happen on some strange level. So, So Alex calls me on Saturday morning after he's woken up and says, my jaw is still really swollen. I think there's something wrong with it. And as a matter of fact, I also hit my front tooth seems to have hit the asphalt. And so we decide we're going to send him to an urgent care center. And the urgent care center that he goes to says that, they don't do x-rays on faces. And so I'm able to find him a dentist, an emergency dentist to go to. And while while I'm doing this, I've had communication with Bodhi by text, and I've been on the phone with Alex, and they are both in their righteousness of their position, and they're both angry at the other brother, and they're both feeling like they were wronged, and um, I did something different which was I really tried to stay out of it. And again, this is new work for me. Um, Instead of trying to mediate between the two of them and and, and say what I think the one was trying to say, what they want, I think the other one was trying to feel and what they're really doing. I just did my absolute best to listen and I continued to trust that this was gonna work out for its highest good. And I just put my energy on what it was mine to do. And the help that I could do was to be on the phone and try to find medical care for, for my oldest son. And then a miracle happened. They each had an opening of their heart and could see the other person's side. Alex was the first one that I talked to who got on the phone and said, I, I went back through the texts and the exchanges that I had and, um, Wow, I was really awful. And Bodhi came back and said, I know that he said and did some really hurtful things, but I shouldn't have hurt my brother. And I was so moved. I was so moved because A, it happened so quickly, you know, that it was not even midday yet. And they both had had a lightning and a heartening of seeing, being able to see the other person's perspective and to be able to take responsibility for their sides. And that I hadn't had to do anything. That I didn't have to be the one that forced or made that happen. That I trusted and believed that something was happening because it was supposed to be happening. And I don't know, they haven't, you know, told me about what those conversations were, because the truth is, it's not my business. It's their business. And the good news is that Alex is going to be okay. We need to keep an eye on his tooth. He definitely got his chin rocked, but it's going to be all right. And more than that, I'm looking at that place in the middle of the night where you think, Oh, my God, this is tragic. I, this is out of control. This is what is going to happen with this? What does this mean? And the panic that that I felt of that powerlessness really. And then the calm that I felt in the trusting and believing and knowing that spirit was in charge that they were going to be okay that this had to have something to learn from. And in the subsequent days, they both have reached out to me with deep awarenesses about themselves. Deep awarenesses. My my son Alex said, I can't believe that it took me getting the shit kicked out of me to have the awareness that I need to be a better person. We started talking about how when we think that the world is supposed to show up for us, that we can just be so miserable and so angry at everybody that he could, he could witness, he could feel the anger that he has felt that came out in that night. That was the culmination of everything that really is about his own wishing that his life was different. And somewhere in this particular instance, he has had an epiphany of taking control of his own life. And we had this great conversation about how, if you can be your best brother, if you can be your best coworker, if you can be your best roommate, if you can be your best friend, if you can be the best son to the people around you, then the universe begins to line up for you. And I told him that it seems to me like when I do those things, when I think, how can I be the best for somebody else instead of asking somebody else to be the best for me? It's as if the heavens open up, as if pennies from heaven are pouring down all the goodness, all the riches, everything starts to line up. And that when we're in that place of feeling like, why don't people show up for me the way that I want? I'm angry about it. Block, 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 block. Today, I asked him permission to be able to share this story. And they they both very sweetly agreed. Bodhi said his main takeaway is to walk away if you can't stay peaceful. Come back when emotions and liquor are gone and speak from the heart. I just think, you know, we have these moments in our lives where something happens and we can decide, we can take those moments and we can say, I'm going to either see this as a tragedy and I'm going to, I'm going to blame and I'm going to hold on to this and this is going to be a victim story. Or you can allow that ass kicking, either physical or emotional or mental, to be a lesson that makes it so that you don't have to have that again that you can see the light of it, that you can use it as a tool to help you move on to the next thing. And I learned so much from myself about staying on my side, about believing and trusting and knowing that I don't have to or can't and shouldn't fix anybody else's stuff. That those epiphanies that are the life-changing epiphanies are not the ones that someone told you and then you took it as if it was law. They're the ones that you realize and you feel in your own heart that you take for yourself that have such substantial, substantial meaning. And those are where the changes are made. That's when the soul recovery work happens because you did the work. You weren't told how the work works. You did it. And those kids did it. And I hope they hold on to those lessons. They're young. They've got a lot more bumps in the road. I have a lot more bumps in the road. But I think, wow, what an interesting weekend. What interesting insights, what interesting journey this particular situation was. And how proud I am of those kids. That after all the work we've done, that after all we've been through, after all the battles, that we're finally are coming back together in a strong, strong way of love and compassion and being Team Harrison. That even though there's still little battles along the way, we are on the same team like never before. And that just feels amazing. And it turns out the coach is higher spirit. And the coach is not me. I'm just a player on the field. Until next time, namaste. Thank you for listening, and I hope this episode offers you tools, guidance, and inspiration on your journey to recover your soul. For more information, please visit the website recoveryoursoul.net. There you can find out more about Rev Rachel, book coaching, or spiritual counseling sessions. Read the blog, listen to music, connect to social media, as well as subscribe to receive email updates. We thank you for supporting the production of this podcast by donating on the homepage. And by following, subscribing, and reviewing this podcast, you're helping to spread the Recover Your Soul message. We hope that you'll follow us on Instagram and Facebook and join the private Facebook group to become part of this transformational